church over the past 12 months. Sorry? Am I on? Am I not coming on at all? I'm on. I'm on. Nothing happening. Hello? Hello? Are we plugged in? Hello? 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 Nod at me or shake your heads. Anything at all? Should I keep shouting? Shall I use the hand mic? Yes. Is that a yes, use the hand mic? Is it coming through? Oh, apparently it is. No? Yes? Nothing at all. Ah! (laughs) Too loud. We don't want to hear him. Just want a token gesture. Keep him happy. Right. 2013, we got up to lots in God's strength, didn't we? Beacon Church. And we've got 2014 and more to come. 2014, it's the future. Is this the year I get my jetpack jetpack, or my robot that does the hoovering? Surely. I've been waiting a long time for these. I remember when I was a kid, I used to dream of what it would be like in 1995. (laughs) Good grief. That's nearly 20 years gone, isn't it? Frightening, isn't it? So, it'd be good to reflect. But also I want to share a bit of encouragement from something that Paul writes to the uh, church in Corinth. Just some, some basic, simple encouragement to help us as we step out on our way in 2014. Meeting more friends, finding out what God's got in store for us here in Herne Bay and God willing beyond as well. So, first of all, what has God, let's, let's give some thanks. What has God been up to amongst us? I've got a little list here. But I'm going to get you to tell me. What has God been up to in the past 2013, the past 12 months? What what have we seen him do amongst us at Beacon Church? You tell me. Food Bank. Food Bank's a good one. You're involved, aren't you, Joe? How's it going? Very well. well. You're getting to meet lots of people, hand over lots of food. Are they coming back to tell you how they're getting on? Or once the. So people are coming back for friendship as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well done. Who else is involved in Food Bank? Barb as well. Joe. Well done, guys. I think we got an oversubscription of volunteers, didn't we, apparently, which is a good sign. Always a good problem to have. Food Bank is a good one. We're serving the, uh, the people who are in crisis in Herne Bay with food. There are people without food in this country. What's going on? It's happening and we're able to do something about it. It's brilliant. Well done. Anything else? Move to Greenhill. Our school move. We are here. We are no longer in the Beacon Centre. We are here and we're building a trust, starting to build a relationship with the school. There was one of the agreements right early on with Mr Cooper, the headmaster, that it's not, we're not just sitting tenants for four hours on a Sunday, but we build bridges and we make a difference in the community around us. Get to know the people of Green Hill and make a difference. Help, uh, help be a benefit here rather than just a little parasite for four, four hours and then disappear again. We don't want that, do we? We want to be a blessing to people around us. So we're here. In our lovely new venue, it's bigger, we're growing already, more people all the time, more faces all the time. It's great to meet people, but it's also great to build a relationship with the school itself. And actually at the carol service, we had a number of kids put their hands up saying they came to this school, that they'd never been to us on a Sunday before. They just came along because we were in their newsletter. It's brilliant, love it. What else has been going on? Your brains have gone blank. You're on screensaver. Steve became lead elder. I did. We had team changes, there's something to be thankful for. God's taking us on into a, into a different season and I want to commend, I've done it before but I'm going to do it again, I want to commend John and how he's handed over, commendably. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you John. John is no more or less an elder than he was before, same as David. We all lead the church between us, I just happen to lead the team. 
but the three of us lead Beacon Church and thank you for making it easy to lead you as well. It's great. Anything else? I've got a list here. Your brains are gone. Poof. The people that have joined us. We had new members this year, the Cooks and Joe Morganson become members. We've got a few more people. God willing, in the next few weeks to introduce to you as more members of Beacon Church as well and more people are getting to know us. More people, more friends who don't even necessarily come on a Sunday that are floating around the periphery. I use the word orbit. People are orbit church. Does that make sense? Making more friendships just on the outside of Sunday gatherings as well. More people are joining us all the time. Our figures are way up on last year and on the year before. It's not about numbers, but it is. But it isn't. But it is, isn't it? Does that make sense? It's not about numbers, but numbers are names. So actually, it is kind of. And actually, we, we keep a track record of how many bums on seats every Sunday. We compare it to last year. We do. I've got a little graph. It's a very pretty graph on Google Docs. I'm very, very impressed with my graph. But it just helps us to actually sit back and go, do you know what? That's what God's doing. It's brilliant. I love it. Anything else? Beach cleaning. We have a beach clean on the, of January. It's in the diary. I will give it to you next week. We have another beach clean coming up. We have officially adopted that part of the beach by the Neptune Car Park by the clock tower, and we're getting a little plaque he's been making up for us with our logo on it. It's very nice. But it was like, we're here to make a difference. We want to bless our towns. We've done two, three beach cleans, two. We've got another one coming up at the end of this month. It's quite exciting. Anything else? New baby. baby. Little Casey. I want one. And Josh, is Josh here today? No, he's not. He's lovely as well. He's a big smiler, isn't he? He's gorgeous. He's got babies. Babies in the ranks. We've got youth. On Sundays, this time last year we didn't have a youth group. Now we have. It's amazing. Second and fourth Sunday of the month, Arvin and Sarah, sometimes Derek, take them out and have a right old laugh together, don't you? Good old chit-chat, time to pray, time to spend time together in the Word. It's brilliant. What else have I got here? Health. Janet's got a good testimony for what God's done for her in the past few months. A lot of surgery, but God, you got very, you shared it with us, a very clear testimony of how God got you through that as well. And actually some people who haven't been healed and are struggling with health, even right now, actually their faithfulness is commendable. Someone in particular right now. Their faithfulness is commendable and how they are still trusting God while they're ill. I think it's brilliant. That just gives glory back to him, doesn't it? Yeah, lots of things. We, um, what we're looking forward to in 2014, we've already mentioned the beach cleans and so on and so forth. We've got a quiz planned for hopefully for March. We've just got to confirm the date. A quiz here where we can raise money for the school. They quite like that idea, strangely enough. It's great. It's, it's time to meet more of the parents, meet more of the families, meet more of the people from Greenhill, get to know the school more, and again, bless them. So that would be a big quiz that Bev and Adrian will be leading for us in March time. Just got to confirm the date. Um, on the back of uh, Food Bank, we are now looking for beach pastors in Herne Bay. A bit like the street pastors scheme. Does everybody know about that? Street pastor scheme in Canterbury, it was right across the country, started off in London. Um, and what, do you know Anwar, Betty Barraza's son, who's visited us a few times? He works for the street pastor scheme in London. And the beach pastors is just a slight tweak on the idea, but for places with beaches. Uh, because it's just a slightly different social makeup and a different night lifestyle, as it were, at the weekends. We're not Canterbury with all the nightclubs, but we have youth hanging around on the beach at night getting themselves into all sorts of little pickles. I get to meet them in my, when I've got my paramedic head on. And uh, beach passes can make all the difference. And it's not only just practical, people being out there. Paul will tell you more, because Paul does street pastors in Canterbury. Hero. Last night. There you go, and he's here this morning. See? Love you, Paul. 
it's not just the practical, Paul will tell you about this, it's not just about the practical aspect of being there when someone's drunk and can't get home safely or other similar situations. It's actually in the spiritual realms, they're supported by a big prayer group back at base who are praying for them throughout the evening. And actually I've spoken to a guy in the Salvation Army who's very heavily involved in this before he passed away in street passes in Maystone. And he said sometimes, just because of rotors and who was available, we couldn't always make it every Saturday. But sometimes we go along on a Saturday and we'd be just in town doing our own thing and after a few hours, quite late, we would go to the nightclub. And the bouncers at the nightclub would say, we knew you were on because there was a difference in the air. See, there is, there is a difference in the spiritual realm. It makes a massive difference. Actually, you look at the figures and how it drops crime figures, it's, it's blatant. It really does work. It's massive. So we're looking to get beach passes in the next 12 months or so. We've got a meeting amongst the leaders on Tuesday about that, in fact. Uh, we'd like to get some debt advice into town. There is something about our neck of the woods where debt, as much as it's an issue across our country, it is even more so in our part of Kent, and strangely enough, even more so, no idea why, in Herne Bay. It's quite, quite specific. Don't know why, but that's something we can do. And Christians Against Poverty is one we're looking into. It's probably the most likely um, amongst churches in town to work together with that charity who do make a massive difference. And people get to know Jesus as well and get out of debt. It's brilliant. That's the icing on the cake for them. But they get to meet Jesus through it as well. It's fantastic. And we'd love to see more of that. So that's what we're hoping to bring on the back of Food Bank. They work quite well in tandem together because of the kind of people we get to meet, the kind of situations, their circumstances they're stuck in and can't get themselves out of. And we can help. And some more equipping. We've got uh, John Hosier. Who knows John Hosier from down in Brighton? He's a long legacy of uh, being a church leader in our New Frontiers family of churches. He's coming in February, February the 9th, he'll be here for a morning service and something in the evening back at our Beacon Centre as well. He'll be able to equip us in uh, in certain aspects. We're going to talk to him a little bit more about what it's going to be, but I think he's going to be preaching maybe about the church in the morning and then sharing something else in the evening that will help equip us in our walk with Jesus and in our walk with blessing our community. We have Pete and Fran Pemberthy from Gateway Church, Ashford, very, both very, very strong in the prophetic. They're coming in March. Again, I'll share the date next week, hopefully. Um, they're going to come and spend a Saturday with us learning how to unlock our gifts, either step into gifts we've never actually walked into before. We all have gifts available. It's not just about that person's the prophet and I'm the person who does the washing up. You can be a prophetic washer-upper. There's nothing wrong with that. You can prophesy while you wash up. But it's also about any kind of gifts of the Spirit. It's not just about the prophetic. It's also about uh, healing or evangelism or hospitality. It's administration. They're all gifts of the Spirit. And actually, we can all step into those. And Pete and Fran have got a real heart for helping people unlock that when a lack of confidence or a lack of, I don't know, yeah, it's just sometimes just a bit of boldness, just to be able to step out sometimes. Remember the first time you spoke in tongues? Did it come easily for some? Others, it didn't, did it? It's just sometimes a bit of boldness and just having the guts to actually trust God and step out. And that's easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? And Pete and Fran will come and help us with that and they'll share on the Sunday morning as well. So really looking forward to that. I've got a few other th- little things bubbling away that aren't nailed yet. But I trust t- t- 2014 will not only help us see growth, but do you remember in September when Ben Goodman, a friend from the States, came over and he shared a word from the book of Samuel about Hannah and how she couldn't have a baby, and she really, really, really wanted a baby. And his challenge, Ben's challenge to us, he felt was from God, and we've sat on it, weighed it, and we trust it is from God, was to challenge us, saying, do you want the babies? Knowing it will cost you money and time 
and lack of sleep and mess and Sarah's nodding. <laughs> That's what babies entail. But knowing all of that, Hannah saw her husband's other wife having babies like next to nobody's business and always rubbing her face in it. And she was like, I can see the mess it brings, I can see the tiredness it brings, and I want one. And Ben's challenge to us was God is asking you, do you want the babies? Do you want to grow? Knowing the mess it will bring, knowing what it will cost you, do you want the babies? And almost immediately, many of you said to me, yes, we want that. We trust that will be more faces here on Sundays. We trust it will be a huge requirement for more cell leaders for our small groups during the week. We trust it will be more people we're getting to meet in the community. We trust in future it will include church plants as well. But as we step into this, sometimes we can still forget where our confidence comes from. And that's what I want to share this morning. We can get excited about these things, but when they don't happen immediately, either we can just go off track a little bit, or get comfortable, or actually leave it to the people at the front to do all the hard work, or the people who lead things. And it's easy to then go, well, that's for them, but I'll just be here and I'll just serve out the biscuits on a Sunday, which is an important part to play. But don't write yourself off is what I'm saying. Sometimes it can just be from a lack of confidence we write ourselves off. Who's been in danger of that? I've done it. Anybody else? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, there's, just, I mean, there's obviously a lot of things we could talk about there, but what I want to share this morning is the very specific, that as we get to meet more people and as we trust we will grow, we need to be speaking the truth to these people and to each other. We need to share the word. We need to get to know the word more, but we need to be able to share it. We need to share the word for people to get saved. Works make a difference. Works demonstrate our hearts, God willing. Unless it's just done out of duty, then we're doing it for the wrong reason. But if works are an act of worship, because we love Jesus and what he's done for us, we just want to bless others and pass it on, works are important. We're not saved by works, we're saved for works. That's important. But I've heard some people in the church, I use inverted commas, I'm never quite sure, I've heard some people say, we never need to tell them about Jesus, we just need to bless them. It makes me wince. We need to tell them about Jesus. We need to tell them what I've been saved from and what I've been saved into, and you can have that as well. If, as Paul says, Paul himself elsewhere says, if you don't share Jesus, if you don't preach the word, then how will they be saved? They need to hear it. But many of us write ourselves off because we're never quite sure how and when and where to share it. I don't want to share it with my workmate because then they might not talk to me ever again. Or it's a bit embarrassing or I feel like I'm crowbarring it into the conversation. Or, and it just becomes easier just to shut up and go with the flow. I've done that. It's easy. But I just want to share a few practical pointers that Paul shares. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 12. There's just some few basic pointers here that I trust will help release us into a renewed confidence in sharing the word as the opportunities arise. And I'll explain a bit more in a while. Let's just read these verses. From 12 just down to the end of the chapter. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Paul says this. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. 
To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Let me just pray. Lord, as we open your word, may you speak to us through it. You've always always promised your word will not return to you void. And as we receive this word, may Holy Spirit, we ask you to open our eyes to this. And may we walk away with a fresh confidence in our step to share you and to be happy to be yours in the place you set us. Help us to do that, we pray in your name. Precious Jesus. Amen. Some of that there talks about fragrance, talks about aroma, talks about triumphal procession. It can be kind of, it's a lot of picture language. And actually, we can skip through that and think it's very poetic and it sounds very spiritual, but not realise it's actually very practical, what Paul is sharing there. There's two things, really, he shares here that I want to focus on. One is the pain of mission. It's not always comfortable. And it does sometimes hurt. And he's honest about that. But also, where we find our confidence as we walk the walk. Okay, two things. One is about the pain of mission. One is about where we find our confidence. First of all, the pain of mission. Verses 12 to 13. I'm not going to go too deep into this because it unravels the can of worms and I'll explain. Let's read it again. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, okay, God's opened a big door for him here, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Now, I don't know about you, but if looking at it coldly, God's opened a big door for him over here, but his brother Titus wasn't with him, so he didn't walk through the door God opened for him. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to explain that too much. I'm not going to, should he or shouldn't he have gone? Even John Piper avoids it when you look it up. (laughs) Don't want to go there. That's up to Paul to decide. It's between him and God. But what he's saying is, my brother Titus wasn't with me. Sometimes our best friends aren't always with us on mission, are they? Sometimes following Jesus isn't comfortable which I think is the main point that God would want to share with us today. Not the should he or shouldn't he about what Paul did, but actually it's the reality that being on mission, going where God wants, doing what he does, doesn't always mean we've got our BFFs with us. Doesn't always mean we're living where we want to live. Doesn't always mean we're working where we want to work. I struggle with that sometimes with my job. But I'm slowly realising that God's still got me there, because he wants me there. <laughs> oh yeah. But sometimes you can just end up resenting your situation, resenting where you live, resenting who's around you, or resenting who's not around you. Because it's where God wants. What's more important? So Paul is quite honest there. And he's saying, following Jesus isn't comfortable. And actually, he actually went off to find his best friend. But we are, not, we are not in our comfortable beacon centre. We're sitting on harder seats. Most of us have still got our coats on. <laughs> We're working on plans for that. Many of us have to get here at nine o'clock and lug in the PA, lug in the chairs, lug, move the tables around. It's not comfortable, is it? 
But we do it because it's where God wants us and he's blessing us already. There is a pain in mission. And there's another type of pain as well that he mentions. Verse 14, he then goes on, this picture language he starts to use. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. He says, don't forget that. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death. To the other a fragrance from life to life. See, not everybody will like what we have to say. We need to say it. If we don't say it, how will people be saved? But when we do say it, not everyone will like it. And we don't like that bit, do we? We, like, we want everyone to like us. We want everyone to be our friend. But there is, Paul is honest, he's saying the aroma that we spread, the knowledge of Christ, is to some is life, to some is death. We can, ta- we can handle that when it's strangers and they call us names and they poo-poo us and fire back nasty tweets back to us when we say something about Jesus or whatever it will be. We can handle it when they're strangers. But sometimes it comes from loved ones. Sometimes it comes from family. I know people here have really struggled with how their family have treated them and spoken to them because of their love for Jesus that they haven't hidden. And that hurts, doesn't it? It really, really hurts. Sometimes it's not even blatant or overt. Sometimes it's indifference. I've tried to share Jesus with friends and family many times over the years. And it's not that they tell me to go poke it. It's the fact they're just completely apathetic to it. And actually that hurts me. Because I yearn, I want them to know Jesus. I want them to have what I have. If I didn't, there'd be something wrong with me. And I want them, I love them so much, I want them to know Jesus. And they're like, yes, happy for you to believe that. See you later. And even that hurts. There is a pain in that, isn't there? That's that death to death. But we need to recognise we can end up taking it personally. And it's the message they're responding to. It's Jesus they're responding to. We take it personally because it's our Jesus. But they're not attacking you. They're attacking the deeper message that you're trying to share. See, some, it's just the way they hear it. We have to understand this. This is for the Holy Spirit to open their ears. For some, they hear it as death because they hear us talking about the Bible and living a certain lifestyle and living a certain way and they hear it as do's and don'ts. They hear it as rules. And I've shared this before in recent weeks. They hear the death of it. Oh, it's all the things you can't do. It's all the things you have to do. And they're missing the point because when Holy Spirit opens their ears, they don't hear a lifestyle of do's and don'ts. They hear a lifestyle of response to rescue. And I've said before, all the do's and don'ts, all the rules and regulations of the Bible are not about how to be a Christian. They're how to protect the relationship once you become one. Big difference. But not everybody hears that. Many Christians need to hear that. But as we share Jesus and we talk about what the Bible says, particularly when it comes to hot potato political subjects of the current day, and you try and share what the Bible says, they just hear the death of it. But it's for the Holy Spirit to open their ears and their eyes to hear the life of it. Don't take it personally. Where is your confidence? Where is your confidence? Remember, he leads us in triumphal procession and it's his aroma. This is our Jesus who declared victory on the cross 
and in his resurrection nearly 2,000 years ago, this is the king who came to us when we could no longer rescue ourselves. Remember that song we were singing earlier? And he built that bridge between us and holy God, imperfect man, perfect God. He built that bridge for us that we might be saved. He came to do that. And as we share that, some people hear it and respond to it as a myth or a legend or a load of old codswallop or a God they'd never want to serve. And that's they hear the death. But to others, they hear that rescue plan that was in place long before this world was even created. The world's most audacious prison break. And they hear the life of it and they hear the rescue. There's death and life. It's two responses. It's the same ears, two responses. But then we beat ourselves up, don't we? Because I've done it before. I've placed my confidence in my technique. Or lack of confidence in lack of technique. Because then I think I'm not trying hard enough. And I'm not being clever enough. And I'm not reading the right books on how to be a proper evangelist. Who feels like a proper evangelist? No hands. Funny that. Who beats themselves up for not being a proper evangelist? Yay! Exactly. It's because we put our confidence in our abilities and get big-headed, or we put our lack of confidence in our lack of abilities. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you're missing the point. Jesus is leading us in triumphal procession. Triumph. Victory. It's happened. Remember that bit. And wherever you go and you share Jesus, to some it would be death, to some it would be life. It's the same message. It's not... It's not that you're sharing it wrong. That is what will happen. Accept it. Get over it. And trust in me. Trust in Jesus. So then verse 16, in the second part, Paul voices that question. Who is sufficient for these things? Who is worthy to be employed in a work of such vast importance? Not me. Not anyone in this room. I love you all, but it's, none of us are worthy of that, are we? And that's the point. So does Paul write himself off? No. <laughs> of course he doesn't. So verse 17, this is where he puts it specifically. And I love this verse. Verse 17, none of us are sufficient, none of us are worthy, but it's still a mission we've been given. So he says, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. He's saying, guys, you're not salesmen. You're not peddlers, door-to-door salesmen, walking around with your suitcase of watches or tea towels. Because when they come to that, I hate it when they come to my door. Do they do your head in? Banging on the door. I'm not selling you anything, I'm just giving you a free quote. Yeah. See you later. But their confidence isn't in their product at all. They'll go from one company to another and selling cleaning products or selling roof tile moss cleaner or whatever it will be their confidence isn't in their product their confidence is in their patter isn't it their confidence is in their technique and Paul's saying what are you doing don't put your confidence in your technique that's the point none of us are worthy of being on this job anyway it's a mission we've been given none of us are up to it so it's not about your technique I've been getting to know a, uh, an estate agent over recent years. He's a lovely chap. 
When he came around my house, to quote, we're not moving, sorry, this is ages ago. When he first came around my house to do a quote on our house, we're having a lovely old chat and we're talking about music and sharing bands and looking around the house and talking about the state of the estate agent industry, the housing industry at the moment. And, and it, it was all patter, all of it, pat, 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 pat. And it was all technique and it was all trying to bend my arm and we can do this for you, we can do that and we're better than that company because we do this and those ones over there don't do that, do they? And it, and it was all technique, it was all technique. I got to meet him recently in his own home, got to meet his family. Lovely chap, completely different. The technique was off. He wasn't just being himself in my house, he was being Mr. Salesman. He was, it was almost like underneath his shirt he's got that big E, estate agent man. And he was just like, he was in that mode. His confidence wasn't in my house necessarily, or his company. His confidence was in his patter, in his technique. That's what estate agents do, don't they? Bless them. Who likes estate agents? Jesus loves them too. The confidence is not in our patter. I don't want to struggle to use this word, but our confidence is in the product. It's probably a wrong word, but you understand what I mean though. Our confidence is in the message we bring, not in how we bring it. That's the importance. There is a time and a place for apologetics. There is a time and a place for reasoning and debating and getting down to the nitty-gritty of evolution versus creation, suffering and so on and so forth. There is a time and a place for that. Paul himself did that on many occasions. There's one time actually in Corinth, he got fed up with people, brushed the dust off his feet and went next door. Said, stuff stuff you. If you're not going to listen to me, I'm over here. But there are other people he spent months and even years with in Thessalonica, in Athens, in Ephesus. You read about it in the book of Acts. He spends years reasoning with people. There is a time and a place for that. But he's saying, don't put your confidence in that. Don't put your confidence in the technique. We are not peddlers. We are not salesmen. And effectively he's saying, guys, we're not peddlers, we are heralds. A herald is not about how they bring the message, it's the fact that they carry a message of vast importance. They are fanfaring the king. That's what a herald does. He brings a message from the king. That's what we are. We're heralds. We're not peddlers. And so he goes on to remind us of who we are. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity... This is about our conscience, not doing anything underhand. In fact, he says, a couple of chapters later, verse 2 of chapter 4, that he says it from verse 1, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. That's when diluting it or twisting God's word to make it palatable to the people you're sharing it with so they can be your friends, so they like you. Sometimes we have to share what God's word says that other people won't like. But how dare we tamper with it to make it palatable? He's saying we refuse to do that. We won't tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we will commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. He's a man of conscience. We are men of sincerity. Then he goes on to say, as commissioned by God. Next part of verse 17, chapter 2. We are commissioned by God. God, maker of the universe, three in one, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, built all this, has commissioned you and me as believers of being his heralds. 
That's quite massive, isn't it? But that's what he's done. Is that exciting? Is it scary? Yeah. <laughs> it is. He said, we are commissioned by God. And then he says, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Knowing he's watching over us. He's given us a job to do. And he guarantees it. He's in triumphal procession, don't forget. And he guarantees it. Just turn to Matthew 13. It's a passage famous to many. But for years I read this parable of the sower wrong. I gave it the wrong focus. At the beginning of chapter 13, verse 3, he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then he goes on to explain, doesn't he? A little while later, verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. See, my problem was, for years I read that with a negative aspect, a negative filter. Three out of four lots are lost. That's how I looked at it. So I've just been aware, some people have become Christians, always have that little doubt in your back of your head and let them prove it, let them prove their fruit, because otherwise they might be baptised and be gone again. But that's crazy, that's so cynical. He's not saying only 25% will yield fruit. He's just saying, well, there's four types. It's not an equal ratio necessarily. But what he's saying is, as you sow the seed, as you preach the word, as you share the good news, as you introduce people to Jesus, there will be fruit. There will he guarantees it. There will be fruit. So why do you hold back? What, Steve, why do you hold back? Why are you frightened to share me when you're mine? And if you do it on all good conscience, you are commissioned by me in the sight of my Father. Share me. It will bear fruit. Don't worry about the ones that it won't. Life to life, death to death, it's the same message. That will happen. He's saying, people will reject me. I'm okay with that. 
So why, why are you upset and why are you fearing man more than me? That's what he's saying, isn't he? There will be fruit. So I need to share more. I need to share Jesus more. When I talk about the gospel, I need to remember that the gospel, I need to swap that word for Jesus. When I talk about sharing the gospel, I'm sharing Jesus. I'm not just sharing a little story. I'm sharing Jesus, my King. And so recently, in the past few months, I've given up trying and just getting on with it. I've given up trying to look for ways to crowbar Jesus into the conversation. And I've given up being apathetic, thinking there was no point trying anyway because there's no one crowbarring into the conversation anyway, so why do I bother? So I just won't. I'll just go along with the flow and talk about music again. I've stopped doing both of those. I've stopped having confidence in my technique and I've stopped having lack of confidence in my lack of technique. I've just gotten on with, with being and just as conversations arise, see what happens. But I'm not afraid to share Jesus. I'm not going to go out of my way to make sure Jesus gets into this conversation. God's bigger than that. If I don't get to share it this time, he might share it with them with someone else. That's fine. That's his problem, not mine. But if opportunities arise, I'm not going to be afraid to say what I believe. That stuff has happened. Three of my colleagues have been along on Sundays. I've been praying for them for 20 years. There was a nurse on Christmas Day. I was working Christmas Day. And I was handing over to her with the patient and we were sliding the patient from our trolley onto the hospital trolley. And she said, Merry Christmas. I said, Merry Christmas. She goes, oh, maybe we should say something more spiritual, shouldn't we, Steve? She knows what I do for a living. Maybe we should do something, say something more spiritual. I said, Happy Jesus' birthday. She goes, yeah, that's nice. Got anything more spiritual than that? Okay, I've never had this conversation with her before. I said, uh, uh, Word become flesh, that's quite exciting. Yeah, just imagine it. I started getting all excited. I went into preacher mode. Just imagine it. Word become flesh. He came to us. When we got ourselves into such a pickle, such a mess, we can never get ourselves out of it, no matter how hard we try. And God came to us to rescue us. Isn't that amazing? She says, I want to sit down and have a proper chat with you about spiritual stuff and meaning of life. I really need to do it. And it's just like, where did that come from? We have never talked about spiritual stuff before, ever. She just tells everyone in the hospital to buy my novels. She's never mentioned Jesus to me ever. And it just came out. I've just given up trying hard and I'm just being now. Another colleague the other day. I, just, I can't even remember how it ended up in conversation. But he said he wants to come along on a Sunday and asked us what time we met. Just because of conversation has flowed and sometimes people ask me what I believe now. It's going the other way. I'm not trying, just the passion's on. <laughs> the weight's off and the passion's on. Another colleague is a Buddhist. And I'm learning now to stop trying to get Jesus into the conversation, but just to ask them questions about what they believe. And you, you'd be surprised if it comes back round. Just ask questions. Don't be, try to be interesting in a conversation. Be interested. See the difference? And so this guy, Carl, he just threw it into conversation one shift, the first time he worked there, he's a Buddhist. So I thought, well, next time, I'm going to ask about that. So I asked the second time we worked together. So tell me about this Buddhism. And as it, as it turns out, he's into, he likes the peaceful attitude and everybody loving each other kind of stuff, but he's not really into the deeper aspects of it. So I said, oh, you're more into the spirituality of it rather than the theology. He went, yeah, yeah, that's it, really. 
And he talks about humility and talks about sacrifice and talks about putting other people first and this kind of stuff. And he went, do you know what? There's this old Arthurian kind of legend that I really relate to about this king who grows up in this kind of amazing palace and he has everything on a plate. And yet he wants to and does make himself like one of the people and he goes out amongst the people to get to be among them, to be one of them and to bless them. I went, let me introduce you to Jesus. <laughs> it was just there on a plate. I couldn't believe it. It's because I've given up trying so hard and I'm just being. And my confidence isn't in my technique, my confidence is in him. And it's brought all the world a difference. One more verse and we'll pray, shall we? 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. Verse 4, start from verse 4. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 4 onwards. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. We know he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. There's a conscience again, that confidence. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. So there's his legacy going on. He came amongst them, shared the word in power in the Holy Spirit. They are saved and become example to others. We are promised babies. Remember? That's what we heard a few months ago. God has promised us babies. Where is our confidence? To feed them and feed each other and to help them feed others for that legacy of discipleship. We don't want to just make disciples, we want to make disciple makers, don't we? So we just need to remind ourselves of where our confidence is and ultimately there comes from Holy Spirit in us reminding us day in, day out of who we are in Christ, that we are commissioned, that our confidence is not in our technique, but our confidence is in him. And the weight's off. Sounds simple, doesn't it? It's because it is. We're the ones who make it complicated. Do you understand? Just be good just to pray together for a few minutes. One of the benefits of meetings together as God's people on a Sunday morning is because it fires up the embers for the rest of the week. We certainly need to be doing that ourselves in our own time with God during the week. But there's something we gather together as God's people and remind ourselves that we're not, on this, not in this alone. We are his body together. We are called to this together. 
especially when you look around this room and see how vastly different we all are, proves to us how vastly different all the people he still wants to save. He's not just going to save people like you. There's so many people out there of all ages, demographies that he wants to save, draw into his family. And therefore it's not about us and our technique, it's simply about him, isn't it? And we say, Lord Jesus, once again we want to fix our eyes on you. Not fix our eyes on our stammering, when we can't find the right words to say or when someone asks us what we believe and we stumble and trip. Lord, we want to place our confidence in you when before it's been in ourselves and we thought we'd been really clever and we're good at twisting words. Lord, we don't want to be like that either. We don't want to be underhand. And Lord, we don't want to tamper with your word. We don't want to dilute your word or twist it so it becomes more palatable. We still need to share what you say, but it needs to be in love, it needs to be in grace and in truth. Lord, help us to share your word, the truth, untampered, but never share it without the grace. Never share it without the sensitivity and the compassion and the love. That's what you were. You were full of grace and truth. And Lord, we want to replicate that. If you're someone this morning who wants to feel that weight off, who wants to share more of Jesus but finds it hard, just put your hands out. It's just a physical act of response to him and just say, Jesus, can you take that weight off? Just burn that passion in me. And we say, Holy Spirit, you come upon us. Holy Spirit, fill us. That we might simply share Jesus in power and in confidence in him and not in ourselves. So Holy Spirit, come and speak to us even now. Place in our hearts and in our minds people that you want us to be more open with. Give us the confidence to know that as we share with these people, we won't put them off and they won't stop being our friends. Just say, you're my friend and I can't not share Jesus with you, do you mind? Can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? I love to pray for my friends and family. Can you tell me in your absence how I can pray for you? Whatever it will be. But Lord, we put these things in our hearts in our individual circumstances, our unique situations with our work, family, friends, whoever it might be. We say, Lord, we look forward to meeting more people. We look forward to making new friends. We look forward to growing. But Lord, may our confidence be in your word, in the message we deliver, the king we fanfare, and it's no longer about us then. Holy Spirit, come. Does anybody else want to pray out loud? Please feel free.
Mm. Amen. And if this morning you don't know Jesus, please do come and speak to me, or David or John. Or maybe if you came with a friend, please do speak to one of us. We'd love to help you get to know him more. This is the King who came to rescue us. This is the God-ordained truth, the message that we carry. And we're delighted to do so. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for all you've done, for all you're doing, for all you will do. Lord, we look forward to this 2014 and see what you bring, see what you do amongst us in Herne Bay. Lord, we're excited to find out what you've already been up to and we weren't even aware. But Lord Jesus, all these things we commit to you in your precious name. Amen.